You're listening to the Masonic Light Podcast. Starring Pete Ruggieri, Larry Maris, and Jason Lewis. This podcast is not endorsed by any Grand Lodge, and the ridiculous ramblings of the hosts are their own. So sit back and enjoy some Masonic conversation without pretension. And now, here's your hosts, Pete, Larry, and Jason. Welcome. We're back at Masonic Light Podcast. Uh, this is Pete, and I'm sitting here. Isn't this a beautiful machine? This is. It's the finest the, uh, Dodge the, Neon body with a weird top on it. The appointments, the, oh, it's just luxury all the way around, including the roll-down windows. <laughs> Well, we decided that we needed to do uh, a show, and um, I didn't feel like getting the Dobermans all worked up at the house, so Larry was buying me a birthday lunch, and hey, we're just going to record in a car, so. Sounds good to me, Pete. So, we're sitting in a uh, park parking lot, two adult males, so if anybody's driving by, they're, you know, thinking we're up to no good, but uh, we're just recording a podcast. Get your hand off my leg. Thanks. Ah, uh, so Larry, what's been going on? We've had a busy, busy We have had week. an incredible two weeks, really. Uh, I'll start with uh, Goose and Gridiron, which was had a very good attendance again. And uh, also, gosh, a bunch of other things I was involved with that were side uh, ventures with Freemasonry. But the most important was my entire weekend, my week, was devoted to Grotto, believe it or not. And I'll let you pick up because, and, and I'll fill in, but go ahead, tell us about where we were this weekend. So this past weekend, um, we had a joint convention of the Pennsylvania Grotto Association, the Empire State Grotto Association, and the Colonial Grotto Association, of which I am uh, the president of the Colonial Grotto Association. So... Apparently, we go back a few months, um, Victor Mann, who's president of the Empire State, and I, mm -hmm. we really didn't have anything concrete planned yet, but we saw that Pennsylvania did. So we spoke to Russ Combs, who is the uh, president of the Pennsylvania Grotto Association. He generously allowed us all to piggyback and do our thing at the same time, which was awesome because we had three times as many people. Uh, we're at this dump hotel in Gettysburg that Freemasons always use, Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. Um, and it was just, it was a wonderful time, a wonderful time of fellowship um, and, and just talking to our brothers from, you know, north of, uh, you know, Massachusetts to I think our most southern brother that was there was from Virginia and west to, like, Detroit. I think that was pretty much covered who came out. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. And how you pissed off the guy from Ohio. <laughs> yeah, somebody I mentioned in front of, like, I don't know, while I was at the dais, while I was up front serving as the president, I kind of mentioned I wasn't going to be going to Supreme Council in Ohio because it's in Ohio. And... <laughs> I have a sister-in-law that lives in Indiana, and I have to drive all the way through Ohio 
and the highlight is always just the rest areas. Like, but so yeah, and I got kind of dressed down that you don't go to Supreme Council for the destination. <laughs> you go there to for the fellowship. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess I'm I'm a bad person. It was a it was a really uh, with with the exception of the three business meetings, which I sat through the three of them, of course. It, it was a good experience. It was a great experience, actually. And we had a lot of people in the rooms for those meetings. We had uh, the Pennsylvania Grotto Association, the Colonial Grotto Association, and the Empire State Grotto Association all met in, in the same room. And it was one piggyback on the other. And the hospitality suite was just freaking awesome. Yeah, so um, last year when I did this, they asked me to help with the hospitality room. So I bought... A couple hundred dollars worth of booze, like a hundred dollars worth of sodas and snacks and plastic cups and set it on the table and walked away. That was like my hospitality room. So Russ Combs um, and his fiance Elise were like, no, we can't have that. So they went out and spent a bunch of money and they had tons and tons of wraps and wings and yeah, they did. Um, I mean, it was, yeah, it was. They did an amazing job. And they stayed. They had women there, and they had guys there, and they actually worked the room as you walked in. Uh, their your wish was their command. It was really nice. It was really well done. Well yeah. Done. So big yeah. thanks to Russ and Elise. That was a, a great time, and we plan on doing another one uh, in the fall, another joint event, and I believe it's going to be at Seven Springs Resort, which I guess is outside of Johnstown, Pennsylvania. Yeah, yeah. It's supposed to be a nice place. Um. Jack will touch on it a little bit later, um, but we did get a tour of the Gettysburg Masonic Lodge. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. Um, that was nice. Well, um, I shouldn't say we. I stayed at the cigar shop right across the street. Well, there's there. a lot of stairs. Yeah, there were a lot of stairs. Only I was told there's a lift on all the stairs, which uh, apparently I did not see when I went there four years ago. Yeah, well, Larry, the maximum weight on that's 250, so were you going to be able to make it? Yeah, I would have made it. Yeah. Okay, I'm yeah, not sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But uh, no, maybe back at that time, that would not have been a good idea because I lost a lot of weight. But anyway, um, uh, yeah, I, and I, I stayed at the cigar shop, which is the Union Cigar Shop right across the street from the lodge. And of course, a brother owns that cigar shop. And I had a long conversation with him. And then you reminded me, well, why didn't you record it? And did you record it? No, I didn't. Oh, thanks, Larry. Didn't even think of it. Um, <laughs> well, here, here's kind of one of my highlights was Jerry, um, who's the vice president of the Pennsylvania Grotto Association, he went out of his way to have a raffle. And first prize of the raffle was an AR-15 long rifle. Yeah. And, um, but it's like totally tricked out to like military spec. It's beautiful. Sniper scope that works, yeah. It's yeah, it's, it's gorgeous. But I live in South Central Pennsylvania, so... Even, like, our anti-gun people are used to seeing guns around a lot. Well, the guys from New York came down, and the first thing they saw on the table in the hospitality room was an AR-15 laying on top of a Confederate flag. <laughs> and we're just, like, completely shocked and mortified. Yeah, you know, I don't know. It's just different. Um, but, you know, I didn't. I chose to focus on the uh, the adult beverages and not the uh, <laughs> firearms. But all in all, it was a it was a good time and very glad. But then we got back uh, 
Uh, the place broke up, I guess, Saturday night or some, some Sunday morning. And then we got back and we began to grotto your house on Sunday afternoon at 2.30. Such beautiful weather. It was probably the most oh, beautiful day God, of the year beautiful. so far. Yeah. Um, and uh, Dominic Falcone from Azim Grotto, um, Mecca Shrine, past potentate, past monarch of Azim Grotto. Just an amazing man um, to talk to. If you ever get to meet Dominic in person, great guy. And uh, we made sure that uh, like Larry got an interview with Dominic, which uh, we're going to hear in a little bit coming up. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, yeah. Um, yeah. And you can hear my neighbor mowing the lawn occasionally. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, then we went to Grotto that night, and we had our Grotto dinner, and then Dominic was there. And uh, it, it was another good social event that uh, Ubar Grotto uh, does and does well disrespectfully, uh, uh, but also with respect. Well, uh, Larry, let's take a quick break. All right. I'll let you hear uh, the interview with Dominic. All right. Sounds good. Well, I want to welcome you. It's been a long time. You've been a living legend on Facebook. <laughs> a myth People in have my talked own mind. about you left and right, and they say, all, have always said, you got to interview Dominic. You oh, really nice. do. You've got to get him on the show. Tell me your title. You're a DD. What the? What is? I'm a Supreme Council District Deputy within the Grottos of North America. Okay. I'm a past potentate of Mecca Shrine. That I know. I presently sit as the Public Relations Officer what? for Mecca Shrine. I'm a past master. Mount Masada Galaxy Lodge number 902 in Tuckahoe, New York. And I'm also a past uh, district uh, brotherhood chairman for the second Westchester Putnam district. Awesome. Yes. I saw you were past potent data Mecca. So that, yes. that actually, that really impressed me. Okay, really Thank did. Thank you. It's a the other stuff wonderful there. experience. <laughs> the other stuff I know. We can leave that on the table. One thing I also noticed, you're an Edith Piaf fan. Mm. Oh, man, the finest my dad was a big Edith Piaf uh, one and introduced me to her. She, Edith Piaf, as you're aware, was like the American Billie Holiday yes. of Paris. Yes. So she was a junkie. She was a street barroom singer. Mm -hmm. And she rose to the highest level you could be in that country, as did Billie Holiday. Yep. And uh, my dad just endeared me to her music. And your daughters followed. They, they, you took them to a concert, and I saw it. I said, oh, my God, oh, yeah. this guy's unreal. Well, when you, when you live in New York City, uh, around New York, in a suburb of New York, not to take advantage of the opportunity the city delivers, which is a cultural uh, plethora of opportunity, would be foolish. Uh, my daughter, one of my daughters actually went to School of Visual Arts in Manhattan and studied film, cinematography, lighting. It was always her passion. So it was, uh, I remember I was at a, I took my daughter when she was uh, seven years old to see uh, Les Mis on Broadway. Within the first act, we were both weeping. And I knew at that point she uh, just naturally gravitated to the arts. Yeah. So it, yeah. you, have to, you have to take advantage of it. Oh, absolutely. Yes. With all your background, why did you ever get involved in Grotto? I question that every day. All right. 
Actually, and I question it every day I'll give as you well. The, uh, the one led up to it. During my potentate year, uh, you know, our grand uh, captain of the guard right now, Victor Mann, who sits in the, on our grand line for the grottos, is, uh, it was a member and is a member of Mecca. And uh, as I rose into that seat, uh, Victor at the, simultaneously became the monarch of Azim Grotto in the Bronx, New York. So uh, he approached me and said, hey, it would be a great help. And, and both uh, and I, Victor, share the same passion that it doesn't matter what fez you wear. It's all about children. So I uh, became a grotto member to get my message out to the shrine and the grottos that there's no difference. There is no us against them. It's we. We're all on the level. And uh, so during Victor's year, I became a uh, grotto member. And uh, once I became a has-been, as we call it, in the uh, shrine, uh, I hand the uh, gavel off to someone else. Um, I think it was a natural progression to pursue the grotto to the extent that I felt that I had something to offer it. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. Uh, did you find there, I, I don't know, I haven't visited other grottos, unfortunately, which I do plan on doing. Did you find, especially with Ubar, there's a certain amount of uh, shenanigan, chicanery, uh, overall somewhat disrespect mm. for procedures. Well, I, I, I'd like to really clarify that. I don't think, I really don't look at it that way. I look at it as, uh, I think at the core of Grotto, the shrine, where we have fun. It's our premise of our uh, purpose is to have fun. Masonic uh, Blue Lodge is, can be somewhat uh, restrictive and very uh, formatic, yeah. which uh, ritualistic, which is a blessing in itself. But uh, these uh, individual concordant bodies were developed to extend some levity and have fun. Mm -hmm. And I honestly feel that the grotto represents to a lot of its members at its core um, a feel of thespian culture, uh, nurturing, and to get out of our own ways, out of self into others. When we're given a platform that we can get out of our daily uh, lives, a mechanism, and to uh, be on the level with one another, it allows us to grow as men, to get out, to experience, to trust. And I think that vulnerability at that point is actually uh, nurturing, not disrespectful, and I believe that uh, with that type of understanding, it should all be, it's all good. It's all good. And you're dealing with some great people. So. What would you say to brothers who are not members of Grottos throughout the United States to get them to think about joining, to becoming part of our group? Well, obviously, you're aware that uh, you have to be a Master Mason uh, to become a Grotto member, which I cultivate and nurture. And how that is, is to understand what masonry extends to people. I think if you're looking at society today, we're so divided. And that division comes from disbelief, uh, a rocking of our foundations. We have such uh, different point of views. And it's unfortunate that I think people have forgotten that confrontation is a mechanism of growth. I use my wife as an example. I'm married 30 years to a lovely woman. And with all sincerity, we are complete opposites. What she instills in me is the challenge of confrontation of my own beliefs, my own thoughts. If I did not understand that, would I ever grow and change as a man? And I think masonry, based on its tenets, which is free thinking, 
free thinking. The only qualification is to believe in something other than yourself. We like to call it God, um, the universe, whatever, as long as you know you're not the center of it, which is an open door, an opportunity to realize, maybe I can trust someone else, simply stated. Uh, I gravitated to masonry because I had a very difficult time with men in my life, uh, father figures, whatever, and uh, which allowed me to trust other men. Um, through the steps and the degrees, I, I internalized it, the experience. So it's something I think that offers society today. I mean, you have a, a, a great opportunity. You gravitate to the Elks. There are so many other um, fraternity-based uh, uh opportunities that society will extend to us. But the endearing part of masonry to me was this historical understanding of how its roots, George Washington, all these wonderful men that created change, change on the way we looked at each other. Just look at uh, our country and how it was established. It was established with men that said, we don't need to be dictated through dictatorship, monarchy. It was based on an idea well, that's what masonry is, simply. At its core, is we're based on an idea. We're not telling you well, what to believe in. Believe in anything you want, just to know that there is a God and that we share that principal understanding of free thought. Nobody's ever told me how to believe in something. I love that freedom. And I believe that at the core of it, most human beings feel that way. Is, is, is that, in essence, really what Grotto is about? Well, the fact that we we are we, we do exhibit freedom, we we have a good time. Uh, there's there's more of a repartee there between brothers. We have it in the lodge, of course we do. Uh, but with Grotto, it's totally different. It's a different atmosphere. Uh, it, it's different. How do we go about? You 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 mentioned a lot, which something you said was an epiphany to me, which I do appreciate. You mentioned all of the foundations of why we do what we do in Freemasonry. But how do we translate that into bringing new people into the grotto? Well, uh, you know, it's a great question. And uh, through my journey, we have a wonderful grotto member, Prophet uh, Bill Sardone of Azim Grotto. And now Bill, if you're not aware, is the grandmaster of Demolay International. Now Demolay is really a precursor for young adults, young men, as we have Rainbow Girls. Rainbow Girls is another fraternity for young women to be introduced to our fraternity. And uh, I'm working with Bill and other Masons to share what Grotto is in an earlier stage to, to share with young adults the diversification, the Concordian body dynamic of what we're introducing them as Eastern stars will be the evolution of Rainbow. Mm -hmm. And as we hope, Demolay uh, is becoming a master Mason. These are just tools. You know, the irony of the symbol of our Masonic body is symbolism, right? It, it is working tools, our working tools. And all we're looking for, what I love is having a tool. I'm a licensed plumber by trade, and uh, I've always felt a visceral response by working with tools, metaphorically and physically. Um, these are opportunities. This is a temporary gig. Life is linear. It starts, it ends. We don't know when. We look around our journey and we see all these things happening and why are we still here or why did it happen to that? And the gift is that 
each individual has an opportunity to look at their eyes. If they're looking at their eyes, they're alive. We all think these things. We're all looking to our hearts. Use as many tools as possible to survive, get through it, and grow. And I think the irony of his life is that if we can get revolved we past the thought of judgment, that's a childish way of looking at everything is judgment. It's something we have to do, but as we get older, we realize there is no substance in that. Let, let's cut this for the time being. Sure. Can we shut that down and wait a little bit? Okay, one of the things that I was just made aware of was the fact that Mecca Shrine was the very first shrine in the United States. Yes. Now that I was not aware of. And that, uh, that to me is, is just phenomenal, okay? That's my favorite word, by the way. <laughs> Who are some of the people that went through Mecca Shrine that you know of that were deemed as being famous? Well, there, you know, well, we had a lot of masons that were shriners, such as Harry Houdini, uh, Gerald Ford. There are so many other, but I mean, I go on and I can open up, a, anybody can Google this. This is what's wonderful. We have some wonderful apps today, and because uh, I know that a lot of people confuse, uh, they think we're a secret society, we're not when it comes to masonry and all these Concordian bodies. We are a society with secrets. We're not a secret society. You can Google everything. I remember when I wanted to become a mason, I actually picked up Duncan's, there's a book, Duncan's Masonry, Craft, The Craft, and I studied a little. I wanted to figure out, well, what is this? What are they saying? And everything is at your fingertips. Mm -hmm. But there is a funny thing about life, as some very dear friends will say. You have to walk the walk, then talk the talk. And ironically, time is relevant. Very true. It is very relevant to everyone's journey. I think the trick is to realize you're on a journey. Yeah, exactly. Because exactly. if you're not on a journey, you're not going anywhere anyway. And it took us be to become Freemasons to realize we're on a journey. It was an introduction to trust uh, and meeting people that I would have walked by on the street and never met the quality of people and took the time. Why? Because I nurtured my own soul at the exact same time. So isn't that what it's about? Yes. Yes. Well stated. Well stated. Very Larry, is this a fireside chat? You guys both smoking cigars. <laughs> That's not a cigar. Oh, sorry. What did you think yesterday of the meetings between PGA, CGA, ESGA? And ISIS. <laughs> and ISIS, yeah. What did you think of all that? I actually thought it was wonderful. I've been to uh, previous EGA meetings uh, that uh, I thought were wonderful, but the collaboration to really Concord, uh, really organize it to happen at the same time, I felt was very intelligent, smart. It also uh, minimized people's travel times to get out and have to come back and forth. Everybody wants to participate. So I thought it was a wonderful idea. I hope they continue it. Um, it created a lot more structure and more more of a turnout than any previous uh, Gato uh, meeting I've ever seen in regards to uh, coming together. Yeah, I thought it was well done as well, yes. really, really. And it was a good location. Yeah. But now I have another question. Why do you think that Secretary's reading of the minutes of past meetings is so freaking important? <laughs> well, this is, uh, 
You know, I've always been a big believer on waiving the reading of the minutes. <laughs> oh, amen, brother. Amen. Is, I mean, we can get into this. This is a this is a basic topic for I think individual associations. Um, it's essential to have them qualified uh, just to make sure there are no discrepancies. I think that's the purpose, obviously. Um, uh, I know that the sitting president and or monarch can waive the minutes at their discretion and, and it's put up to a vote at that tenure. That, at that point, mm -hmm. it could be voted that the minutes could be waived. Um, that's up to individual bodies and individual. This isn't a Masonic meeting. Masonic meetings have different rules and regulations. Right, right. So that, I believe, but, uh, at least understanding bylaws, which I've read diligently on Azeem's bylaws, I had them amended and while I was monarch, and to simplify the process, and also to meet the criteria of Grotto's in North America. Good. What do you think of Gettysburg? Oh, I loved it. I love the historical value. It, most of the things that draw me to our fraternity on every level, especially Masonic, is its history. Because I'll tell you right now, if you don't know where you're going, you'll never know if you don't look back and know where you've been. That's right. That's right. Well, I do appreciate uh, your taking the time. I think we've probably got about 20, 25 minutes on this. Oh, my to pleasure. talk to us Thank today. So really, no, it's been, a, it's been enlightening for me. And Pete's been telling us for since we've been recording for the past year since we've been doing the Masonic Light podcast, we need to talk to you. And I am so glad we did. Thank you. And actually, just knowing you as God, briefly I as I have, this. I'm going to the, one of the grotto meetings in New York. I've got to go. I've got to be with mm. But I love Azim. Okay. That's Listen, I think if you find endearment to Azim, you find endearment to all grottos. Dom, Dominic, tell, tell, tell our, our, our six listeners uh, a little about, bit about the venue. Uh, where you guys do your ceremonies. I think it's a fascinating place. Right, I'll hit upon that very quickly, Peter, and it's a great, great story there. Actually, the Players Club is where we hold our venues. The Players Club was actually acquired by uh, the actor, John Booth, back in 1862, I believe. Edwin Booth, yes. I'm John sorry. did a little something different. Yes, yes. John that, has a different actually, John, John was his brother, and we, we were just hanging out with Lincoln's Diner this morning, but that's another topic. And um, he created the opportunity for other thespians, other actors to perform. Um, and it's been around since then. Uh, it has a lot of Masonic history in it also. We gathered there for Masonic meetings, upon after Masonic meetings, and there was also the formation of the shrine, which actually manifested through this platform. So there is a, a ton of history at this location. Um, it is today held, uh, several of us, as myself, are members of the club. And um, if you're in New York, there it also surrounds Gramercy uh, Park. Gramercy Park is at the center of this community, which uh, you're allowed to actually partake and utilize the uh, park as a member of the Players Club. But the venue is priceless. For Azim, I feel that it is actually part uh, of our uh, dynamic as a grotto. It nurtures and cultivates that thespian feel of our performance. The history sucks you in. The atmosphere, the ambiance of the place is incredible. It just feeds the, the whole journey of the ceremony and our members, which I think also nurtures uh, growth and opportunity for other members. So... Um, is it true that uh, George Washington gave his farewell speech in that club? 
Wow, I it's I'm not gonna I'm not gonna stretch that too much. I'm not aware of it. But I thought there's it was built a... after George Washington was dead. Oh, yeah. it could be. Uh, yeah. Well, the actually the club was formed, but the That's building structure was around since uh, the early 1800s. Well, next time what we'll do is uh, when you have your next ceremony, you know, is at the Players Club, we'll come up and we'll actually yeah, Sonic Light podcast will be we, a part of it. Please uh, check our Facebook page. I believe absolutely. the Monarch absolutely. has just booked it for, in June. I believe it's taking place in June, but uh, please confirm on our Facebook site. So. It's been a real pleasure having you on the program, really. Uh, my pleasure. And it's been a real pleasure meeting you actually in person for the first time. Thank you. The myth, the legend as, in my own mind. Absolutely. As Pete says, apron sniffer time. <laughs> April, yeah. Thank you, Dominic. Dom, uh, Larry, you can stop kissing his ass now. Yeah, okay. So that was our inter- interview with Dominic Falcone. I, you know... Great guy. He he absolutely is. I mean, I uh, in interviewing him, I realized this guy is just terrific. He really is, and everything I've heard about him uh, appro- uh, was was proven true to me. I mean, he is a great guy. Uh, let, let let's face it, he's the kind of a friend, uh, kind of a, a brother that you would do anything for, and he would do anything for you. And they're rare individuals in the world. He's one, definitely. It's it's you know one of the nice things I found with. Um Maybe the only positive that has come across with uh, the advent of Facebook and social media is that I have made such good friends in Freemasonry with men that are out of my area and that I maybe see once or twice a year. Yeah, exactly. And I can go and see Dominic or Victor or you know, Isaac and the guys from New York and maybe haven't seen them in six months, but it's... I feel just like I just saw him yesterday because we yeah. were chatting online. Yeah, I mean, that, that that's an awesome feeling to have. It really is. And, you know, Dominic devoted his entire Sunday to us, to Umar Grotto. Uh, he was there, uh, I don't know what time he got to your house, but uh, he drove over from Gettysburg directly. He drove his own car. Uh, he spent the whole afternoon with us uh, smoking cigars and drinking beer. And then we went over to the bar at uh, Loxley's, and then we had the meeting, and he didn't get out of there till probably around 9, 9.30. Yeah. Then drove home to New York. Yeah. Dominic actually wasn't drinking. No, he wasn't. No, he I was. We were. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, no, Dominic's the responsible one. He yes. had a long drive, so he yeah. did not drink. Yeah, he was drinking Fruitopia or something. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, yeah, so it was a, uh, it was a good day. Okay, and uh, coming up next on Masonic Light Podcast, you're going to hear Jack Harley. Jack uh, is going to be uh, calling in and talking to us a little bit about uh, the Masonic Lodge there in Gettysburg. Hello, brethren. Jack Harley here. Uh, Worshipful something or other, Pete has asked me to say a couple words about our trip to Gettysburg. Uh, There was recently a grotto assembly, actually three grotto assemblies. He's probably spoken about that by this time on the podcast. But it was to be held at Gettysburg. And while I was driving to work the day before, I said to myself, well, there's a beautiful lodge in Gettysburg. I wonder if anybody has arranged to take any of these masons to go see it. So 
I reached out to a couple of people, uh, got a phone number, and made arrangements for the group to have a tour of Good Samaritan Lodge in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. Now, Good Samaritan Lodge is a very old lodge. It was originally chartered in 1824, but due to a couple of things, uh, general um, disorganization, perhaps, of the lodge itself, and also the rise of the anti-Masonic movement. Um, in 1832, they had had so many demits and uh, resignations that the lodge dissolved and the warrant was vacated in 1837. However, many of those original warrant members stuck with Freemasonry through those dark times and uh, came around again in 1860 and submitted a request to reconstitute Good Samaritan Lodge. So in February of 1860, they were rechartered, and by a perfect act of Masonic paperwork, did it sort of the wrong way and did not get the old original lodge number that they could have had, which was lodge number 200. And instead they got a, a number up in the 360s, I believe, um, when they reconstituted. But uh, they were in practice um, just, uh, just slightly before the Civil War broke out, or as they called it down south, the Great Unpleasantness. Uh, or the War of Northern Aggression. But the, uh, the lodge has been sitting on the square in Gettysburg on the southeast corner of the square since about 1895. It was constructed by a Mason for the Masons, and it has always been a Masonic lodge. Now, there have been tenants on the first and second floors, but right now the second and third floors are the Masonic building. The second floor is where their offices and storage rooms and social hall and kitchen and all that kind of stuff are. But the third floor is the, uh, uh, the hall itself. And uh, they have several bodies meeting there. I know there's uh, uh, York Wright bodies meet in that building as well as an Eastern Star chapter. I don't know if they have any of the youth groups meeting there, but they are um, lovely people. And um, I don't think I'm still, yes, I am still recording, okay. Um, Jason, cut that out, will you? Because my phone went to sleep. So anyway, um, I called and spoke to District Deputy Grandmaster Katz and uh, he graciously agreed to meet us. And I also sp spoke with their worshipful master, Phil Goble. And he also agreed to meet us. And we gathered in a light rain at the uh, Gettysburg Cigar Shop across the street and went uh, into the building. There's about a dozen of us or so that toured the facility and were impressed by the, the, the depth of Masonic memorabilia that's in there. Uh, they're, there's just a, a terrific um, history in that lodge. It's a, it's a beautiful old building. Um, and I, I would encourage anybody who's visiting Gettysburg for the historical aspect of it to make contact with the lodge and uh, just say hello to the brothers there and maybe get a walk around their building. Uh, it was impressive to know that some of the names that are hanging, uh, the, the portraits of the past masters in that building, 
um, that several of them may actually even have monuments on the battlefield. Uh, that's just um, mind-boggling to me. So, in any case, Pete, thanks for letting me talk about that. And uh, again, if you're in Gettysburg for the historical aspect, mm. don't forget the Masonic historical aspect. Um, they are the lodge that really made the friend-to-friend memorial happen. And uh, and twice a year they go and and do some. Um, clean up around the the memorial, so it's a it's a beautiful testimony to the fraternity and to the um, the the commitment of the brothers in that lodge. So thanks again, um, District Deputy Katz and Worshipful Master Goble. We appreciate your having us. Thank you, Jack. Um... And now we're going to go right into our award-winning segment. Corpus uh, Scrum or... Oh, Corpus Obscurum. Obscurum, Obscurum. With Seth Anthony. All right. Take it away, Seth. You're about to enter... Corpora Obscurum. The realm of weird fraternal organization. Leave your Freemasonry behind. Prepare to meet druids, caliphs, and wild creatures. Knock thrice and enter at your own risk. Welcome, Masonic Light Podcast listener, to another Corpora Obscurum. Ahepa! No, I didn't sneeze. That's actually the name of today's fraternal group. The American Hellenic Educational Progressive Association, more commonly known as Ahepa, is a fraternal organization formed by Greek nationals and descendants in 1922 in Atlanta, Georgia. During that period, many Greeks were being targeted by racism in the American South primarily by the Ku Klux Klan. In light of those attacks, ethnic groups banded together to form their own organizations. Ahepa was born from this period. The group is closely tied to the Greek Orthodox Church and retains a friendly relationship with the faith. Like all good fraternal organizations, they spawned a ladies group, the Daughters of Penelope, and two youth groups, the Sons of Pericles for boys and the Maids of Athena for girls. The group was organized into local lodges, which were presided over by a president. They were also known to have district-level governors all the way up to the supreme body. All of the groups still exist today, although much less emphasis is placed on the fraternal aspects, and they work more as a good community organization. Want to know more? You can learn about historic fraternal groups and the effect they had on America by visiting and supporting the J.H. Rathbone Museum, located in Lafayette, Indiana, and on the web at www.jhrathbonemuseum.org. So, Larry. Yes. I guess we're at that point of the show. Yeah. Where we talk about what we got coming up. Yeah, yeah. So you got anything coming up? Yeah, I've got some things coming up. Gooses and Gridiron, of course, is... Uh... Is coming up on Thursday, and the uh, the uh, the boys over in Lebanon County actually hold a breakfast at seven o'clock in the morning, and you know because they're gainfully employed. Gainfully employed, uh, but yet I understand that the it's 
according to their past master, it's the older guys that went at 7 o'clock in the morning. To me, that made absolutely no sense. Well, they went to bed at 4 in the afternoon. <laughs> they invited us to come up from the Goose and Gridiron and so forth, but uh, there's no way that I'm going up there at six to leave at 6 o'clock to get there for a meeting at 7 o'clock. So and, you Lebanon guys have fun. I'll, yeah. I'll still be in bed. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, also, too, we have our lodge meeting coming up next Tuesday. Uh, tonight, big night, Pete. Tall Cedars. Tall Cedars. And actually, uh, should be a very good dinner. I'm looking forward to it. Roast beef is on the menu. Oh, they always make the best roast beef. And uh, God only knows what the rest of the meeting is going to be like. We are doing the degree. But we're not really doing it. We're just playing the video. Playing the video. Okay, good, good, good. Um, That's bad enough. But that would be good for me because I, <laughs> you know, we just did it in person a while back. And I got to watch the video ten times. To learn how, so I'm, I don't know, I'll bring my headphones and try to pretend like I'm paying attention. Yeah, I want to sit at the table somewhere in the back so I can do other things because there's no way I'm going to be able to keep attention on that one. Yeah, Larry looks like he's deep in prayer, but he's actually on Facebook. <laughs> so I do have to say one thing that happened. I know we're going backwards, but one thing that happened at that was really bizarre at this past weekend in Gettysburg, I met Brother Jason. Jason was really quiet, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he let me know that he was a fan of Masonic Light Podcast. So that was fun, that was cool, and I'm like, I wore a room full of Masons, so I guess it's not totally unexpected we might have a listener. But somebody was asking me, like, what I do for a living, and I explained that, you know, I'm medically retired, and, you know, I just do a bunch of nonsense. And I mentioned, like, Somebody goes, well, what kind of nonsense? So I told him the story of the Gap Lighthouse, which is a fictitious lighthouse that I'm the lighthouse keeper of. And people are like, oh, my God, I subscribe to that. <laughs> and then somebody goes, do you run that Scrapple page? I'm like, yeah, I do. So apparently I'm really famous in crap that doesn't pay me any money. <laughs> So if any of you want, has any projects that you want to promote that aren't profitable, I'm probably going to be good at promoting it. If it's anything that is going to make us money, I, I suck at it. My wife said exactly the same thing last week. You're so good at doing things that do not earn a nickel. <laughs> I swear to God. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Yeah, I always have been. So my big, okay, so my big thing, uh, Friday morning, Jake and I are leaving and we're driving up to Attleboro, Massachusetts for Masonic Con. Uh, very exciting. So uh, hopefully we'll give you guys a nice review. And I I should have the recorder up there to get some, uh, you know, bumpers for members where you can, guys can say what lodge you're from and you're listening to, blah, blah, blah. Um, so I'll be selling scarves. Actually, Friday night we're going to go out for a nice dinner. Saturday I'm going to sell scarves, then go to the Tall Cedars and the Grotto Degree. Uh, go back, take a little nap. Um, then Jake and I are going to do some charity work out um, supporting local taverns. <laughs> and I'll come back on Sunday. And Sunday night, I've got our AMD meeting. So I've got another oh, weekend just chock God. full of Freemasonry. Oh, jeez. Oh, Larry. I guess, do you want to take us out of here? Yeah, yeah, actually. Uh, I'd love to. Uh, 
start the banjo music, please. Uh, I want to give special thanks to Monarch Studios and uh, it, it, again. Well, today Monarch Studios well, is your is, car. is in my car, exactly. <laughs> and you know, the windows are fogging up. If anybody goes by here, you know, we're in trouble. I'm surprised the cops aren't here. Uh, our producer and co-host Jason Lewis, who takes this show to new heights every time. Jack Harley, our news director, R.C. McCorvey, uh, brother on the street, and Seth Anthony for his insight in fraternities we had no idea existed. And Seth, thank you so much for our support, uh, for supporting us, rather. Uh, we love you, brother. Uh, our audience uh, response advisor, Luke Warm, and uh, our foreign news correspondent, Ima Blather. Now, she is going to make a guest appearance on our show. I can't wait. I can't wait either. Uh, my big problem is finding a woman who has a British accent. Of course, you know that. Uh, I met her husband. <laughs> you met her husband? Yeah, Jay Smallwood. Yeah, Jay Smallwood. Okay, awesome. Uh, also, too, uh, in recognition to our, our law firm, we're back with Hammer Hammer and Bloom again. Uh, the other couple did not work out, and uh, that's pretty much it. Uh, thanks for listening. This is Larry. And this is Pete. Catch you guys in about two weeks. Mm-hmm.